Welcome to Science is Fun E. I'm your host, Private, aka Avery. I'm nine years old and currently in the fourth grade. Joining me today is Skipper, aka Craig, who is 68 and currently strange and old minded. <laughs> <laughs> Not very funny, Private. Kind of funny, Skip. Um, Skip, can people really tell what's going to happen in the future? Because I'm just one. Yes, of course. Seriously? There's a lady like Professor Trelawney in Harry Potter. She uses weird weird cards and can tell you who you're going to marry and how many kids you'll have and like stuff like that. Sure, gypsy ladies used to tell pregnant women whether their baby was going to be a girl or a boy. Wow, how'd they do that? The mother would pay the gypsy lady some money and the lady would whisper, it's a boy or it's a girl into the woman's ear. Then the lady would write the opposite sex on a piece of paper fold it up tightly, and give it to the mother. Why'd she write the opposite on the paper? That seems like it's wrong. Yeah, see, that's the trick. She gave the paper to the mother with instructions to burn the paper when the baby was born, and that would bring good luck to the baby its whole life, and not to unfold the paper until then. If she did that, she would bring bad luck to the baby for its whole life. Were they ever wrong? Of course, they were wrong half the time, because they were just guessing. They had no idea what the baby would be. Weren't the mothers mad when they found out the gypsy ladies were wrong? Well, because they had a 50-50 chance of being right, half the time the gypsies would be right. And remember, the mothers were told to burn the paper with the opposite sex written on it so the baby would have good luck. So what happened when they were wrong? Well, when the gypsy ladies were wrong and the mothers opened the paper up, they would see the correct sex of the baby on the paper and think... They probably didn't hear the gypsy lady correctly when she whispered it in their ear. The trick worked pretty well. Didn't some of the mothers peek at the paper before the baby was born? Well, remember, back then people were very superstitious and the mothers were told that peeking would bring bad luck for the baby for its whole life. Not many mothers would risk that for her baby. But even so, a few people did peek and figure out the trick. So can anyone really tell the future? Because it sounds pretty phony. Well, let's do some research and find out. Okay. Wow, Skip. It seems like everyone, Greeks, Romans, Africans, Asians, everyone had at least some people who claimed to be able to tell what's going to happen in the future. It was a good job, but very dangerous. You had to be very clever, very smart. Your life could depend on it. Skip, the Greeks had the oracle at Delphi. She spoke for the god Apollo and told people their future, but many of the predictions were very hard to understand. And Nostradamus wrote weird poems called quatrains. I couldn't really understand those at all. (laughs) That's how you survive the predicting the future game. You make your predictions so that a person can interpret them many different ways. Remember I said... Is it true that nothing begins with the letter N? Yeah, you can get two different answers by how you read it. If you read it one way, that the word nothing begins with N, then it's true. Nothing does begin with N. But if you read it to mean that there are no words that begin with N, then it's not true. Oh, I get it. If you say a prediction like that, no matter what happened, you could always claim you were right and that what you really meant was the other meaning. Or like Nostradamus, who could make predictions so confusing and elaborate that people could get many different results from the same passages. Or you can make your predictions so far in the future, people would probably forget what you said. (laughs) Or you could make lots and lots of predictions so that some of them were bound to come true. 
Or you could write one set of predictions on a piece of paper and seal it and put it one place, and then another set of predictions on another paper or seal and put it in a different place. Then whatever happened, you could say you predicted it by taking out the paper with the correct prediction on it. You see, there are lots of ways to trick people into thinking you know the future. But Skip, when I asked if there was anyone that could tell the future, you said of course, so who are they? I know that they're probably not phonies like those gypsy ladies, but still. <laughs> yep, I did say that. Uh, and the answer is scientists. Seriously, Skip? How can they predict the future? Another question, how can you predict the future? <laughs> well, the scientists I'm talking about are called meteorologists and climatologists. They are very good at foretelling the future. They follow the trends, and because they know nature's rules... Uh, nature has rules? And what's a trend? A trend is like an arrow. It points toward the direction that something's going. Like what? Like a compass? Well, kinda. It, like the weather, or climate, or evolution. Isn't climate, like, part of the weather or something? Well, weather is what happens day to day. Like, today is sunny, or it's raining, or tomorrow it's going to snow. Climate is what happens over many, many years. Scientists can tell the weather and the climate by following trends and patterns. Okay. One, it's supposed to be spring right now, and it's still snowing. Two, how the heck do they do that? Does it have to do with those nature rules that you mentioned? Yep, it does. Take climate, for example. You know that scientists have said for a long time now that the Earth's climate is getting warmer. But how do they know? Where's the evidence? What's the evidence? You always told me, don't believe anything unless there's real evidence that you can trust and you know about. <laughs> Good for you. That's right. One of those nature rules that scientists know is that heat is how fast molecules in something is going. You remember what molecules are. Of course I do. Uh, I think I do. Aren't molecules made from atoms stuck together or like something like that? I don't know. <laughs> uh, that's right on. That's exactly what they are. And they're always moving. How fast they're moving is a reflection of how much energy they have. What do you mean how much energy they have? Well, how fast a molecule is going is a result of the amount of energy. And the more energy they have, the faster they go. You know how we measure that? Uh, not exactly. My dad has a speedometer in his car that tells him how fast the cars go. Going, is there a molecule speedometer? Because I'm not quite sure. <laughs> I think it's pronounced speedometer. But yes, there's kind of uh, like a speedometer for molecules. It's called a thermometer. A thermometer? I thought that told you how hot or cold something is, or it just takes your temperature. <laughs> exactly. Temperature is a measure of how fast the molecules in something is going. We call it heat. Oh, and there's no such thing as cold. Cold is just heat below what we're used to. Huh? What are we used to? What, what is that supposed to mean? I thought... Cold was a thing. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, there is a good experiment. Uh, we could take three bowls and place very, very warm water in one, very, very cold water in another, and room temperature water in the third. Then I'd place one hand in the very warm water and your other hand in the very cold water. And we'll leave them for a few minutes. Then we'll place the hand that was in the warm water in the room temperature water. That water will feel very cold. Then we'll take the hand that was in the very cold water and put that in the room temperature water, and that will feel really, really hot. Remember, it's the same temperature, but one hand will tell you it's hot, and the other hand will tell you it's cold. It's because one hand was used to the hot and the other hand was used to the cold. It's the same reason that 50 degrees in winter will feel hot to you, but 50 degrees in summer will feel cold to you. 
Oh, so like my hand doesn't get cold when I throw a snowball at you? I'm pretty sure it does. No, your hand doesn't get cold. Your hand is losing heat to the snow. It doesn't get cold from the snow. And you really shouldn't throw snowballs at your old and wonderful grandfather who can make much, much bigger snowballs than you can that can do much more damage than the puny little snowballs. Your puny little hands can make wise guy. Oh, yeah? My snowballs are gigantic, and it's not funny either, Skipper. Well, it's kind of funny. Okay, let me get this straight. When Mom boils water on the stove, the stove is just making the molecules in the water go faster. And when Dad lights a fire in the fireplace, the fire is making molecules in the air go faster. And that is what heat is? That's exactly right. Pick things up pretty fast. So when those fast-moving molecules in the the fire hit the slow-moving molecules of the air, the slower air molecules go faster. And we say the temperature is going up in the room. So what does that have to do with the Earth's climate? I don't really know. Well, what happens when you have too many blankets on your bed? The blankets will make me too hot, and I'm going to kick them off, and then my parents will get mad because all my blankets and covers are messed up, and I'm just going to say that I move around a lot at night, which I do (laughs) a lot. Okay, so what would happen if you couldn't kick the blankets off? I would get hotter and hotter and cry and call for my mom, I guess. Well, first of all, the blankets don't make you hot. What? They don't? Why do I get hotter? You get hotter because you can't get rid of the heat you make yourself. The blankets are trapping the fast-moving molecules and preventing them from hitting the slower-moving ones in the air of your room. Skip, what does that have to do with the Earth's climate? What does blankets on my bed have anything to do with it? It has everything to do with it. The sun is shining on the Earth all the time, giving the Earth its heat. Certain gases like methane and carbon dioxide are like blankets for the Earth. The more blankets the Earth has, the hotter the Earth is going to get. So where do these gases come from, even? Well, there are many, many sources. Coal, oil, propane, gas burning, things that breathe, decaying trees, plants, all of those give off methane or carbon dioxide. Is the earth going to get hotter and hotter and cry or call for its mother, Mother Earth? (laughs) In a way, you see, living things that live on the earth are kind of used to the climate that the earth has now. If the climate changes too fast, they won't have time to adapt. What does adapt mean? I think I learned about it at the trip to the nature center at my school, but I kind of forget what it means. That's okay. Well, to be accurate, living things don't adapt. They can't change. They are what they are. So if they already have a feature that lets them survive in a hot climate, then they probably will. If they don't have that feature, they'll probably die. If they survive, because they have that feature that lets them survive, then they'll pass that feature on to their children or offspring. And then those children may survive too. It's how evolution works. I thought it was the strongest survivors, probably. Nope. Most of the time, it has nothing to do with strength. You might be the strongest tadpole in the swamp, but if you're bright red and the water is green, you're going to be eaten. It's the ones that are best suited to where they live that have the best chance to survive. If you're a bug that happens to look like a yucky-tasting plant, birds aren't going to eat you. So you get to survive and have children that also look like a yucky-tasting plant. And if you're a bird that can tell the yucky-tasting plant from the bird that looks like a yucky-tasting plant, you will survive and have baby birds that can also tell them apart, and you too will survive. So if the Earth's climate changes too fast, many of the animals and plants that don't have a way to survive will probably die out? Is that what you mean? You got that right, Private. And because the air molecules are going faster, storms like hurricanes and tornadoes may also become more common and be stronger. I think we're beginning to see that trend happen already. 
So, how can we stop it from getting too warm? Can we get rid of all those gases and chemicals? Well, plants do take in carbon dioxide, and the green parts of their cells use it to create glucose sugar for their mitochondria to use to make ATP for them. Hey, I remember glucose and ATP when we talked about why we breathe. Yep. It's all related. So that's good, right? The plants get rid of the carbon dioxide, but what about the methane stuff? Um, isn't methane farts? (laughs) You're right. Uh, Plants do take in carbon dioxide, but they can't remove the amount that's being released into the air by burning coal and gas. There are tons left over that stay in the air, and methane is trapped underneath the frozen ground in the northern parts of the earth. And as it warms up, the amount of methane releases goes up. So as these gases in the air continue to rise, and remember they are Earth's blankets, so too will Earth's temperature. Skip, what are we going to do? I'm scared. What's going to happen to our Earth? Private scientists have been telling politicians for decades about this trend, but it seems very few of them really wanted to believe it. So nothing much was done. Today, it's only the cynics who still don't believe that the climate is changing. Today, even coal and oil companies realize the problems the Earth is facing because of climate change. So, what are we going to do? Many countries have already begun to reduce carbon dioxide by investing in electric cars and trucks and by using water, solar, and wind power to make electricity instead of burning coal and gas and oil. Much, much more needs to be done by the United States and other countries. All of us need to cut down on our use of fossil fuels. Fossil fuels? Fuels made from fossils? Aren't fossils like rocks? (laughs) Fossil fuels are fuels made from dead and decaying plants that died and were covered up deep in the earth many millions of years ago. These fuels are not being made anymore, so once they're gone, they're gone for good. Solar, wind, and water are renewable sources of energy, meaning they'll never run out. So what can I do? I mean, I'm just a kid, but I'm still wondering. Well, private anyone can make a difference. By keeping the temperature in our houses a little lower or buying foods that were grown locally so they don't have to be shipped from faraway countries, making sure we turn off the lights when we leave a room, these little things add up when everybody is doing them. Okay, Skip. I'm going to do it. So how do scientists predict the weather? Well, once again, they know something about how the Earth works. Uh, like what? like that the winds travel across the country from west coast to the east coast. California, Oregon, Washington, to the Midwest, and then to the east coast. Weather that begins in those states will probably get to the east coast. And if they can figure out how fast the wind is blowing, they can figure out when a rain or a snowstorm will hit the state along the way. That doesn't sound too hard. Well, weather can also originate in the Gulf of Mexico and travel up into the country from the south. Sometimes that weather meets weather from the west coast, which complicates things quite a bit. So how do they figure it all out? And when am I going to have another snow day? Well, they use computers and satellites to help them track clouds and air pressures and temperatures as they cross the country. Ha! It's more important than just snow days. So why is knowing the weather important? Well, cities and towns need to prepare for severe weather like tornadoes and hurricanes. Before we could predict the weather, many people lost their lives when a violent storm hit that they weren't prepared. Farmers need to prepare for rain or lack of it. Scientists can predict floods by monitoring rainfalls amounts. A lot of damage to people and property can be prevented with enough preparation. That's why we need good science to do the predicting. It's not always perfect, but it's pretty darn good. Better than the gypsy ladies, anyway. Yay, science! You got that right, Private. (laughs) 
that's our podcast for this week. Come back next week for another episode of Science is Fun E. Oh, and don't forget to visit our website at www.scienceisfune.com or listen on iTunes. Just search for Science is Fun E in the podcast section. Or to suggest possible topics for upcoming episodes, email topics at scienceisfune.com. You can email me at private at sciencesfunee.com or skipper at sciencesfunee.com. I'm private, a.k.a. Avery, hoping you have a great week. TTYL.